the most important question I have for you is, did you ever find a wee swallow you're looking for? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I think it did. Good, because, I mean, you've been looking for it for a while. <laughs> Joshua Burnside and his up folk barley soaked sign is increasingly becoming one of Northern Ireland's most precious commodities and prolific exports. With the New Orleans Folk Alliance only days behind him, the lesbian blood drive train hurtles onward, picking up dedicated fans and followers at every station. His live show is a harmonic wave of intricate lullabies stitched together with nerve endings and alchemy. Burnside is a poster boy for the DIY indie artist, a self-taught bedroom producer now perched in his crow's nest studio in an old college building in East Belfast. In 2017, he won the NI Music Prize for his album Ephrata, a worthy accolade for another tirelessly hard-working creative who has been entertaining audiences now for almost a decade. His sound is instantly recognisable and utterly synoptic. JB lives for his craft. It is his obsession. And maybe that's what it takes to do anything worth doing in this life. And from the snippets of the new record that I was privileged to hear, that dedication shows his sound and ever rolling stone, fully formatted with the technology required to face this brave new musical world. playing golf with his mates and uh, he hits hits the ball and it, uh, it lands he just, he just became really southern Irish there <laughs> he is was Irish he from, was he from Leiton yes he hits the ball and it lands in a lake in a pond in a pond um, so he ventures off leaves his mates um, to carry on the course and he tries to find his ball because he's only got one ball he's, he's Irish southern Irish the only golf with one ball Anyway, so he he's looking he's looking around this marshy pond sort of um, area, trying to find his his ball, and he hears this little voice, and it's like, "Hello there, hello, hello, look, look, look at me." And he looks down, and he's like, "What, what the heck's that voice coming from?" And uh, he sees a wee frog hopping along, and the frog looks up at him, and he's like, "Are you just are you talking to me there?" And the frog says, "Yes, um." <laughs> I'm not actually a frog though I'm a beautiful princess and if you give me a kiss I will turn into a beautiful princess and I would be so grateful that you brought me back uh, 
love you and kiss you and take care of you and do whatever you want to you for the rest of your life. And uh, the old man says, picks up the frog, sticks it in his pocket and says, at my age, I'd rather have a talking frog. (laughs) (laughs) Fair enough. It is? Yeah. Yeah, sounds good. Cool. What does a day look like then at the minute? Um, so probably I aim to be up and then fail and sleep in. <laughs> Get up, drink a gallon of coffee. Um, and then come here, basically. Start answering emails. and Actually, I try and do creative stuff first um, when my brain's still all foggy and um, not really working yet, so I try and write a few few lyrics or work on a riff or something. Um, and then I get into after maybe after lunchtime we get into the into the sort of the mundane stuff. We're getting back to people, emails and stuff, and all the rest of it. And then once we're done the boring stuff, I would go back to the creative things. But it could be anything. It could be like making videos or making posters or you know, wasn't necessarily be music stuff. There's, there's this concept I heard about a while back called wake up before your editor. Have you heard of this? No. So the first few hours of the day, your brain, the editor in your brain isn't there. Right. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. So it gives you a, a window to create mm-hmm. free of <coughs> free of observation and free kind mm-hmm. of of that yeah. need to fix it. It fix, just gives yeah. you. So it's like waking up. It's like you wake up. If you wake up early in the morning. You sort of wake up an hour, two hours before that edit sort of starts to kick in. I thought it was really cool. Yeah, <laughs> really that, cool I idea. Think I think that's the kind. Of, I think that's how it works for me. Um, yeah, it's just also like I, I kind of when I when I'm like in that sort of between sleep and awake mode. You know, I find that really inspiring place for your brain to be in, for images and ideas and stuff. Even if it doesn't make sense, it did. It does at the time. You know when you're when you're thinking about it, yeah. or sort of half dreaming about it, and then that's all that stuff's a gold mine, isn't it? For lyrics, I think, and and you know, give her like feel an emotion that is like somewhere like almost like nostalgia, but it's not nostalgia. And it's it's almost that you can't even explain it, but you only really f- have it. In dreams or in sleep, mm-hmm. dream, dreamy uh, state, and then trying to put that into words is like, is uh, something I like to do. It's kind of like that Billy Eilish song. Whenever we fall asleep, where do we go? <laughs> right, yeah. I don't know. Uh, it's kind of an interesting I- idea. Mm. Is sleep? Do you struggle to sleep, or do you do you find you sleep beautifully at night? Um, once I get to sleep. I'm normally sleep all the way through fine. I'm sleeping better recently, but uh, would you get up if you if you couldn't sleep at night? Would you get up and write and or work and stuff or or? Yeah, sometimes I would get up and just if if I'm awake for more than twenty minutes, I wouldn't stay in bed. Like I would get would up you? and like, that's that's like that's the best thing to do. If you can't sleep for more than fifteen twenty minutes, there's no point in trying. After that, you yeah. need to get up, do something, and then yeah. come back to it because you're. 
that you're done for if you just try and stay out for, old, for me. For me anyway. <laughs> no, like, no, I, that's I, game over. I get it. I get it. I mean, <clears throat> I, I, I was sick recently and I was up one night, all night. Mm. And, and normally I can write or can work on music. I can do all those things, but nothing would work. And even the, during the mm. next day, nothing. I couldn't distract myself. And then I figured out, then I started to make soup and started to cook and stuff and use my hands. And I figured that actually there's times in life when only your hands will be enough. Only your hands will distract you. Yeah. yeah your yeah. head and your creativity won't, doesn't work. I find that I thought it was quite revealing in a sense because normally I'm able to just distract myself with mm. creative stuff. But when that doesn't work, actually, yeah. you turn to another activity to kind of mm. sort of change the script. Yeah. I mean, I think, yeah, I get that. I think that's probably why I think I guess there's people out there who work with their hands every day and that's their method of yeah that's mindfulness or rest and their distraction mm. and then they can, they can create other times but yeah when you're cursed to create well when you create when you create something that's intangible as music it's a, it can be you can finish saying you can come to the end of the day and there's nothing to hold. No, nothing to, nothing to look at. Yeah. You don't feel it in your body either way. Yeah, which is which can be like quite unsatisfying. Very much so. I mean, I grew up on a farm, so I spent my childhood doing physical manual manual work, and then when you, you get a different, you get a different type of job, it's like this doesn't feel like this doesn't feel like work. Yeah, yeah. Know, I'm, not, I'm not broken. And, <laughs> I'm not broken <laughs> I'm not and crippled broken at the end of the day. What, what you know? Yeah. My feet are dry. What's this all about? Yeah. It doesn't yeah. feel like work sometimes. Yeah. That's because it's not great. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's a luxury. It's a luxury of maybe of our generation, whereas our grandparents. Yeah. There was no other types of work but manual, physical, types of you know labor and, and activities. Yeah. I mean. Things have changed a lot. I, I've only ever had one job in my life. What was that? I uh, I was a bartender, um, for a couple of years, in Glasgow, and it was great. I loved it. It was wrecked. Yeah. I was, I'd never worked so hard in my life. Wow. Yeah. And everyone that worked there made fun of me because I was always whinging and complaining. Yeah. <clears throat> about how hard it was. Of course. I just, but we were doing. You know, we'd work. From about six PM until like three or four in the morning. Wow. Get out about five. Yeah. Go have a drink. <laughs> Roll in steaming about six AM, seven AM, wake up at four PM, go back into work. And you do that five days a week. Yeah. And see you at the end of the week. My feet because it was like you were, Yeah, your feet were sore. I was tending barber, I was also waiting tables and cleaning up sick and carrying empty beer kegs to the roof and just running about for hours and hours and hours. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I never. This was all. This was. It was all new to you. It was all new. It was great crack, and that's just what most normal people do all all day, their every, life. all day, every day. <laughs> yeah, it's that difficult. People like just like I'm like my girlfriend Emily. She always takes takes the mic out of me for only ever having one job. She's had about a million jobs. She's very used to what being a worker, you know. But then you spend that same amount of energy internally in a day yeah that's that's what i say you know <laughs> but no but don't don't make light that's of it not... don't make light of it either because people like people like you and, and me who are creatives we live in a, a world of self-reflection all day 
mm-hmm. every day and that's exhausting mm-hmm. you're looking for metaphor you're looking for meaning and it's not like you mm-hmm. it's not like you're choosing to or you want to it's just how you exist yeah, yeah. you know you're asking yourself existential questions mm-hmm. just over coffee yeah yeah you know so that that, that is exhausting and it's it's the role of the, of the creative to mm-hmm. i guess make peace with some of those things to then help other people make make peace with them as well yeah or or not make peace with them or just just live in the just li- live in the in the in the not knowing yeah i had how to live with the how to live with the bad things in life and talk about them without you know you don't have to accept you know death you don't have to accept pain and suffering in the world you can be angry about that i mean because but i think if knowing other people are are going for the same thing is the main thing you know mm-hmm. is, that, is that empathy yeah is the most important thing like what do you mean by not accept not accept like um like i don't necess- i think like f- feelings like anger and and like stuff like that and and at the universe or whatever it's a part of like it's part of life and it's part of grieving and it's a part of being human is to is the human condition is 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 a terrible terrible thing <laughs> <laughs> and like it's not i yeah i mean i would love to be some sort of zen buddhist you know be able to just be that way but most of the time i'm just like fuck's sake <laughs> well, this is terrible what's going on everyone's dying but like it's okay because I know other people feel that way, and I and if I hear other people express that in art and music, I'm like, well, I'm not alone, you know, and that's that's important. I think, <laughs> you know what I mean? Absolutely. <laughs> I mean, I always think about music as in we all do it for different reasons. I I know people who play music for entertainment, mm-hmm. and and I I get that, but that's not that's not what I do. For me, it was always it was always to lament and to mm. to work out therapy. And I guess I'd probably see your work as something in between the two. Yeah. Because you you really do enjoy playing live. Yeah. And and, and creating moments and, and memories for people. So mm. you love you do enjoy to entertain, but yet you can do it whilst holding quite heavy heavy articles. Cool. Does yeah. that does that make sense? Yeah. I think uh Yeah, I I, I think people do come to to see live music for both for both those reasons, but my from to my shows, I think it's different. I think it's different with a different setup with the big band and the drums and the brass and all that. Mm-hmm. It's a bit more of a show, like it's a bit more fun. And then when it's a bit stripped stripped down, at the minute I've been touring with me and another guitarist and a cellist uh, quite a lot, um, and it's a bit. It's, I think when people it's a bit it's, it's a bit more melancholy melancholy and it's a bit softer and it's, you can hear the lyrics better and it's more more yeah more of a diner <laughs> not really selling the show oh gosh no but I mean you still have to be true to true to you in the midst of in the midst of it you know you're not just making for people you're making for yeah for yourself how did you kind of move towards brass and kind of those types of sounds was that a natural progression or or did you always kind of i think i've always sort of loved like the sound of brass 
from like church days and since I got there. Um, and bands I loved, you know, as a teenager, like Mutual Milk Hotel. Yeah. Would have like featured a lot of brass and stuff. Um, and then before that, was before I listened to those guys, I would have enjoyed like Ska and things like that. Like yeah. Real Big Fish and Rest and Jake and those guys. When I was like really young, um, so I've always loved the sound of it. You know, it has such a beautiful energy about it, and such yeah. a um, sharp crispness, and really nothing carries a melody better than a trumpet. Not really. Um, it's it's a, what's very unique for you, for your sound. You know, it it always comes through really clear, and you're like, oh, that's just perfect. Cool. Yeah, and I, yeah, just always loved it. And Sarah, you've been playing trumpet for us for ages. She's got such a lovely tone. It works so well with my sound, I think. And she's become such a big, important part of the live show, you know. Um, and then, but yeah, I've loved strings as well. Yeah, I think, I think it's, it's hard not to, I try to like to think about it as what does a song need as opposed to trying to fit a song I'm not going to take a song and just bring it to this <clears throat> bring it to the band like when I'm writing the song I'm thinking about how it's going to be produced while I'm sort of writing it oh really like in my head I'm like if this is where there's going to be a big big drop here a big big uh, kick or a big crash or whatever so you kind of you kind of <clears throat> you make, when you make something then you kind of you're looking at the recording of it as well as the live show like I mean when I'm writing it I'm kind of producing it without realising it in my head yeah. imagining where all the parts are going to be and if the trumpet doesn't fit the song I'm not going to try and bring it in squeeze it in just because I play with the trumpet player you know yeah. so there's loads of times when I finish recording the album and then I go right I've got to tour this album now and I turn to the band and like can we recreate these songs and they were like yeah and then the songs sound nothing like yeah. the recordings yeah. because I'm playing it with this band and People, some people really like that because it's like it's, it's different to the record, and people don't want to come to see the ex- album exactly. But some exactly. people do. Some people want to see. Yeah, historically, people people always tried to tour the album. Yeah, as accurately as, as accurately as possible. Yeah. But I mean, I don't think I would be that way inclined. I don't know. Yeah, but you like to go back and rework songs. Yeah, quite a bit because songs like Desert Wine and Blood Drive have appeared. <clears throat> mm-hmm on different records throughout mm. are those and why do why do you do that is that like stockholm syndrome or is it <laughs> <laughs> is it is it that you kind of hear something and you want to are songs never finished or why yeah. do you why do you or do you like just like to reimagine stuff i think uh, i think there's some songs where you go you realize that like like years after the fact that less you that you try too hard the first time yeah you put too much in you love the song so much when you wrote it yeah and you wanted it to be its best and you you dressed it up all nice with its it's like you sent a kid to school and <laughs> gave it like a fancy hat and a coat and, and like golden slippers yeah and he comes home and he's lost it all okay, yeah, yeah. <laughs> and he's, got, he's just wearing a scotties and, and, <laughs> and a pair of shorts you're like this is what I wore every day <laughs> Yeah, you shouldn't have sent him out in that because he got bullied in school. <laughs> he came home all bloody and bloody and bruised uh. for dressing like his prince. So, 
yeah, and then you go, okay, I, what song needed to be was just me and the guitar, so let's do one like that, and then you go, actually. It's kind of like listening to your listen to your stuff on Spotify. Sometimes if you put it on shuffle, it's like listening to the greatest hits. <laughs> right. <yeah. laughs> you know, because you hear the same song a few on a few different few different things. Okay. Yeah. Yeah. You know, but I I really like that. I like mm-hmm. I like to go back and reimagine mm-hmm. reimagine songs and and a song that's on an EP. Yeah, sure. Put it on the album as well. Yeah. You know, it's it's uh, music's changed as well. It's so different than what it was so many years ago I mean the pressure to make album an album has always been there was always there for me and then when I made the album I was like I don't ever want to make another one of these again it took so long <laughs> yeah. it cost so much yeah. and it went absolutely nowhere it's like it's just mm. like two years out of my life where I could have spent a year on an EP um, mm. but music has changed a lot in how people make it and I mean you're sitting in your studio mm-hmm. and you've tracked the most of this recent record yourself mm-hmm. how's that process been good yeah it's been great it's but you've been doing that since you were mm-hmm. you were no height i remember your first your very first like eps what was your first ep did you ever put out was uh, it, was seeds it seeds yeah because i remember i remember we played i think we played that show with you yeah in the in, in the, the white's tavern in, in, in white yeah you don't have that one online though no, I took it down because I was sort of embarrassed about it, which is a weird thing to do. But have you reworked any of those <laughs> songs? Yeah, I reworked Northern Winds. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And but we're all embarrassed with our early, early, I know, early, I know. early but stuff. I'm embarrassed. I'm embarrassed. If that makes any sense? <laughs> <laughs> like it shouldn't be. No, you shouldn't be at so, all. But I am. So it's just I'm embarrassed because it's just it's like. Yeah, I don't know. I just yeah. Yeah. Like I wonder is like when Dylan listens to like his like first <laughs> yeah. first stuff. Yeah, does he just sh- shriek and hide in the corner? Does he just like, "Oh, my voice sounds so so lame?" Yeah. I don't I don't I don't think he does. The bastard. <laughs> <laughs> but no, I I I mean I love that. I love those songs as as well. But yeah, I've been doing it like that for for ages. Yeah, and do you like, think that do you think that having that skill, I'm, having that skill and learning all that stuff in those years has done you in good stead? No. What? No. <laughs> just well, ruin the question, mate. <laughs> just, just ruin. No, it, no, it, no. What it is like? I'm so not used to like a proper studio environment. I'm like stressed out because there's a time limit. Um, very controlling, and and then I'm never really happy with the end result. It's not exactly what I had in my head. Cause yeah, because you need to spend and an, you need to sit up all night working on yeah. it. Yeah, I spend an abnormal amount of time on like tracks. But that's but that shows in a good way. But but you know the layers of just little voicings yeah. in the, in your stuff makes it magical. Yeah, it's all about the devils and the details, I guess. So I try and I try and I probably work too long on tracks. You uh, yeah I mean it's not a polished sound by any means it's not a studio sound, but I think doing it this way I've become so accustomed to that it's 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 much more natural and much easier for me to express myself. I mean yeah. I have been in the studio a couple of times in Derry with uh, Keelan Austin. He's a great engineer, great producer. He did a couple of the tracks for this album, mm-hmm. 
and that was great because he's a really laid back dude and really good at what he does so that was that was fine but I still and that was good because there were more I wrote those songs with the band in in mind in mind so we actually tracked them live did the drums guitars yeah. bass all live and then I did overdubbed the vocals here um, which was really funny because the guys only heard the tracks a handful of times <laughs> and then I was, was like I just kind of pointed something like right next day we're going up to the studio yeah. we're going to record these live and they were like what? So we were kind of working out the parts as we were going yeah. and they yeah. picked it up so quick so fair play mm-hmm. to them all. so Connor on drums Callum Mason from Glasgow on bass Dan Byrne McCulloch on the last guitar Sarah Fleming on cello and Sarah Martin on trumpet and we just tracked them live and it was, it was cool but then you've been working with those guys for a while yeah so they kind of know what I'm about um, one of the songs in particular called War and Everything which might be a single had so many bits where you, I dropped a beat at the end of a bar randomly yeah, yeah. I didn't even realise I was doing this uh-huh. or like the one bar would be 3-4 one bar would be 5-4 and then when we played the song they all just looked at me like <laughs> well, you you actually expect us to learn this whole song and then you and get and it then, right, and, and then you change it, it and then you and change then it. I'm changing it as I go along and everything, and they're all cracking up. But that's because you probably do that live as well. You probably yeah. play an extra verse here or there. Yeah, and like our whole, you know, there's plenty of bits where like I can never record to a click because it just throws you out. Just because I think the click is another way of. Like this change in tempo and change in speeds yeah, and yeah, tunes is yeah. another expressive dynamic, you know. Yeah. As like the same thing of volume, mm-hmm. you wouldn't have this, the whole track the same volume yeah. unless you compressed it to, to all hell. Um, that's why I don't really like over overly compressing things unless you're using it as like a creative, in a creative way. Um, but the same thing with tempo and stuff. I I don't really like. I'm not really big into things that are very like rigid like that and they don't they don't push yeah. and pull and no that's no. A, I mean when you're a folk musician you're organic it, it, it yeah. kind of goes with the territory that you want yeah you know I find that really difficult I find it really difficult when I first started working to the click and, and mm. I've, now I've kind of got, on, got onto it and I recorded three months ago and it's been five years since I made something in a studio mm. and the guy I was working with made drum made drum tracks you know just just like that and it's like so much easier and you're like why couldn't why were people doing this five years ago <laughs> making like a drum making a proper decent drum track to play along with. oh as opposed to as opposed to just that it's just so inhumane yeah but then I'm someone who needs to click because most normal people speed up as they go along in a song I slow down I slow down you slow down I slow down yeah I slow down I slow down that says something about the nature it really does it really does I kind of I kind of move at a pace and it never falters. And if I start off, I'm like, I'm going back to that pace. And I'm eventually there's a there. natural, there's a natural, natural yeah, there's tempo a nat- for yeah, you. Yeah, natural of speed of walking, yeah, speed of speed talking, of speed of everything. You know, if me and Rebecca go, go somewhere and I'm like, slow down. <laughs> you've, got, you've got a natural BPM. Yeah, you gotta find out what that I gotta find is. what that number is. Yeah, yeah, and start building songs. Must be easy if your heartbeat, I reckon. Yeah, I'm really fascinated with with stuff like that. Um, Does everyone have a natural? Yeah, tempo? I'm really, I'm really fascinated with beats and frequencies. And I read something mm. recently about heartbeat therapy, right? Where they were trying to help people um, 
connect to the beat of their heart and it kept them kind of stable. Oh. And I don't know, I'm sure, much really sure how, how it worked, whether it was a it was a watch or whether it was just, but this heartbeat therapy really helped people. And That wouldn't help me. If I could hear my heart, I'd, I'd freak out. <laughs> <laughs> I'd be like, if I, was, if I heard one deviation, I'd be like, I'm having a heart attack. You, I'm dying. <laughs> do you ever get heart palpitations? Uh, only if I've been partying too much yeah. in the next day. And, you know, generally I've got a pretty uh, reliable ticker. <laughs> <laughs> Never have that many issues. But unless I, you know, take advantage of... Yeah, I heard a, I heard about a study a while back as someone did where they looked at the church bells and all the sounds in different cities around Europe mm. and they measured the frequency and they were able to fig- and they were able to figure out changes in the behavior of people in the city because of the frequency of the city. thought it was fascinating. The frequency of the frequency of the sound of the city through the church bells and the traffic and the water. Oh, just, just all just, combined? Just combined. Yeah, they were able to look at different yeah. different like frequencies and different sounds mm. in, in different towns. And and then they looked at the the stats for the town. Yeah. And they were able to look at different similarities between certain towns. That, that, that and they think the the general frequency of a city, city's hum... Affects the city. Affects the, the mindset. Or affects the, the people in the city. Yeah, I believe that. I think... I was I was at a thing I was at a sound bath recently. Been this sound bath. Oh yeah 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 got you. So it was, um, it was in town. It was mm-hmm. in the old, where the old Virgin Mega Stores used to be, mm-hmm. and you everyone lay down on the floor mm-hmm. had blankets. Um, the woman Tessa, I think she's called. Um, she runs it and you just lie in it for like an hour, and she plays all these gongs mm-hmm. and. And bells and, and then drums you, you and kind of hum with it or kind of move your. You can, but you you or you can and you don't have to lie down. You can walk about. You can sit down. You you can kind of do what you want, but it's supposed to be you sort of focus on it and try and. Well, I think the idea is to just get into sort of a meditative trance-like state, if if or even just to relax, even just to find relaxing. And she was saying like, you know. Don't be afraid if like, or don't worry if you like you feel, or you feel the sound, or if you have strange reactions to the sound, yeah. you feel it in your body or, yeah. or or see colors or, or and I was like, what the? She's like spiked the coffee or something. Like we gonna all start tripping? <laughs> tripping no, I, I I I I dig that sort of thing. And I actually and you know after half an hour listening to all these sounds, I was very much trying to focus on being in the present. I like, guess mm-hmm. what a big part of mindfulness is. mindfulness is about and I was trying and I kept had like sort of a little mantra in my head that like the past doesn't exist the future doesn't exist there's only now I was kind of repeating that and then I had this like weird moment where everything went green like really green and I sort of got this weird feeling in the front of my brain and then I was very very much in the moment in like a very real way like mm-hmm. that wasn't that, that was hard to explain and I was like, I think I think what it did was the sign just kind of helped me. I was wondering whether maybe the freak, there's certain frequencies oh, that just like just hit something in your oh god in yeah. your psyche that like opens up something mm-hmm. or opens a door. Or they talk about chakras, different chakras open into at different times of your life, don't they? Yeah. What are, what are chakras? 
I guess doors or windows right. inside your inside your brain. Right. Um, yeah. I mean, that's probably what one religion calls it. Other religions might call it something something completely different. Mm. Enlightenment or yeah. Then enlightenment's a different. Enlightenment's different for everyone because to some people, enlightenment is to be more awake. To some people, enlightenment is inner inner rest. To me, enlightenment is is more about rest than um then maybe a change of a change of a change of thinking I, th I think a change of thinking is very important as well but mm. for me to, to be enlightened is to be at rest rather right than, yeah but you mentioned you mentioned you're we're talking about spirituality i guess and you mentioned growing up you mentioned church has your spirituality changed throughout your life or has, has, there, has there kind of been that thread that's run throughout your your journey yeah i think it probably goes through periods a lot I'd say it's not a very consistent thing. I grew up Presbyterian church, um, all that. That was fine. And then after my mother passed away and sister and all that carry on, I kind of lost faith and was just kind of abandoned the whole religion thing. And then as I got older, that kind of cemented into a hardened sort of atheist vibe. And then when I got into my sort of twenties, became more agnostic and more open to the possibilities of, I kind of came to think that atheism was like as hard one way as the other, as it yeah, was before probably, the other yeah. way. So I was like, well, I don't know. I mean, I can't even see behind me most of the time. <laughs> How am I supposed to know what's after death? Yeah, of course. So, or what's the meaning of life or what's, oh, or what I, oh, on all the big, the big ones big questions so generally and then I kind of went through like a um, a sort of spiritual mystical kind of phase um, well, how did that look did it look like it was, um, I think it was part partly spurred on by a, a, a creative from a creative perspective mm -hmm, mm -hmm. I wanted to tap into something like beyond myself and I know like I'm a big fan of Yeats and Yeats was a uh, believer in mysticism and he was very into that and I got quite into into the sort of stuff that he was sort of getting into yeah. and then now I'm just sort of it's back to square one just clueless who knows I I think my, my life's just gotten so I used to trouble myself with these que these big questions a lot more and then life just gets busier and busier and busier that and I think it, that comes across in my lyrics as well it's yeah. it's much more about day-to-day -day stuff that I'm writing about I'm writing about like my close relationships mm -hmm. or being skint <laughs> or like you know you know grief and losing people is is, a, is always been and like all that sort of stuff it's always been a big part of the music, but help you kind of move through it. Yeah, and but when before it was it was much more like, who are we? What are we doing? Now it's just like more like how do I do? How do I cope with this right now? How do I be here? How do I? How do I help people? How do I take your eyes off yourself a bit and kind of look look outwards a bit more? Yeah, but but it's just it's not as I guess I just I think I, I think most people. I think a lot of people I, I imagine can relate to that and that as they get older their, their lives become 
I don't think life gets worse or better. It just gets fuller. Mm-hmm. It's just more life, mm-hmm. more people, more relationships, more love, more hate, more everything. It just seems to get fuller and fuller for yeah. me anyway. I don't know. Sometimes I think about, I mean, I, I, I'm quite upset with everything you're talking about is all stuff I, I think about mm-hmm. constantly. And, and, and sometimes I think about that inner space that we build. It's like a room and it starts off as this tiny room. And then whenever something heavy or something big or something painful comes into that room, it's like super in your face. Mm. But as you get older, that room grows. And then when those issues come into the room, they don't crowd you the same. They don't mm. take over your life the same because the room's so much bigger. Yeah. So they just you learn to hold those things. Yeah, they're kind of there, but they're not rushing me. Yeah. You know? That's kind of kind of my. I I'm quite interested in in you know the idea of I was reading recently about mandala, the mandalas you know and, yeah and how that was kind of an imagery for that inner space. Mm. You kind of focused on on the mandala and that was like something to give you an image of the room you're building inside. Right. I thought that was quite a nice. Mandalas one there you they make it and then they like blow it away at the end. I'm not sure, but maybe yeah. It's, like, it's all those circles, you yeah, know, yeah, that yeah. weave in and weave in, in and out. And I guess there's a Celtic thing in that too, you know, those, those mm. things, the things that weave and knots that weave in and out. And I think for me, growing up in church as well, there was always this need for, or this, I wouldn't even say need, I would say more urgent, urgency, urgent than that. There was always this fear based around an assurance of a salvation or, mm. or a, and then as I've got older, I've realized that actually true peace is to let go of your assurances mm. and become like a, like a feather in the wind and say, I don't know. Yeah, yeah. And to be at peace with the fact that you're being taken care of by something or someone or mm. um, whatever, whatever that is. And you don't have to know. You don't have to have your blessed assurance and hold on. Mm. To anything but but be held yeah if that makes sense mm. but it's interesting just to listen to a wee bit of your of your journey with that and you mentioned they mentioned the brass in the church was is that where you first started playing music uh i would have started playing music around that time but i never i didn't play in the church the first things i did was like sort of uh like punk rock punk grunge <laughs> grunge sort of stuff you know during your emotional stage during my yeah when I was like sort of like 11 12 mm-hmm. I started writing songs in primary school like just writing the lyrics and the melodies before I, I picked up the guitar and I made up uh, like imaginary bands that, that would play these songs in my head <laughs> <laughs> and they were, with famous musicians or just like just like a, like, no, a, bumble, like, like so, a bumblebee and a, and a no and no a like sort of like older versions of me and my mates yeah, that I would draw. Of who would play? Who would play certain and instruments? Would play certain, and like, I draw them with like beards and goatees. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And, stuff. and did these guys play music at the time? No, no, no. <laughs> my mates didn't play music at all. They yeah. just played football. <laughs> and they, they had no idea I was doing this. Yeah, this just one. This is just a strange thing to do. And then, then I started forming bands with friends when I was like 12, 13. That's when I first started kind of gigging. So. And the songs were terrible, but it was good fun. And but then you must have always wanted to, you must have always wanted to play music with friends. 
Yeah. And is that kind of the way it is now? I mean, are you friends with the guys you play? Yeah. I mean, I wouldn't have friends if it wasn't for music. <laughs> like I get it. I get it. You just get to a certain age. Like all my oldest friends are live live abroad or moved away. I want to see them now and again. You yeah. know, when we when we make the effort to meet up, mm. all school friends and stuff. But the people I see most would be the people I work with, people yeah. I tour with, and um, and so it's important that you get along with with the people, with the people yeah. you you gig with because um, otherwise they'll drive you crazy. I mean. Yeah, so it's nice I get to play with my brother Connor a lot the drums and um so I get to see him, you know, more than I probably would have if he you know, if we didn't play together. If you weren't playing, yeah. Um even though he can be a wee gobshite, but you know, most of the time he's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's probably I think it probably shows in your music that there's family connect there's a you know, there's a blood connection there. Mm -hmm. It's so hard to find good drummers as well. It is hard to find good drummers. <laughs> Thank God. I've had so Thank many. God he picked the drums. I know. I've had so many drummers who couldn't drive, and stuff, <laughs> and it was always like. Oh, oh sorry. Okay, giant. Yeah, go ahead, go we, for it. Yeah, just pause. Get, no, just get it. Yeah. Just let it play on. Sorry. Being a musician in Northern Ireland is almost like resigning yourself to a life of poverty. <laughs> it's like taking a it's like taking a vow of poverty. How 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 do you how do you navigate being a musician in this wee country yeah. with with the current state of affairs and yeah. the the lack of everything? Well, I think there's 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 benefits as well as downsides. There's like it's sort of an unusual place to place to be Northern Ireland I think because you're just between two worlds and that's very much part of our identity and as people as Northern Irish people you go I'm I'm British and I'm Irish yeah so you live with that duality and like that's I think that's quite a healthy thing to be in because you you know you're not you're not tied to the one thing you're like we're naturally as non Irish people um well a lot of us would a lot of us would, a lot of people would be very no I'm just Irish or no I'm just British but mm -hmm. I think a lot I think there's more people than not that feel that have that duality live with that yeah. sort of in between in between live in that in between world where they consider themselves a bit of both and that's really healthy I think because when you start like identifying as one thing or see people as one thing, like you're like you're just English or you're just yeah. German or you're yeah. just gay or you're just, you know, whatever it is that you're just putting people into this thing. Like you start simplifying people and putting people into boxes and yeah, and that's not a good place, not a good way of thinking about no, but yourself and about other people. So 
I think to start off from the position of of uncertainty about your identity is a healthy thing, not not an unhealthy thing. Yeah. Okay. Because you are complicated. Yeah. You are multiple things, mm-hmm. and so that's so being known Ash is I think is like a benefits people in a in a psychological way that they don't realize. Yeah. You know, if you're if you're just if well, if you because no one is just Scottish or just English. Yeah. Your your blood oh, and your yeah. DNA comes from all over the place. Yeah. If you go far enough back. Yeah, you're something different. You're something different. So. But people don't. People just think like that. I think nationalism. Is. Can be so corrosive and so oh, divisive yeah. and so as we've seen with the whole. Brexit fallout and of course yeah and all the rest of it and and other th- and other things happening around Europe as well it can be just I think I think Orwell said it was like a disease you know mm. nationalism and he, he, and he very much distinguished between nationalism and patriotism which yeah. he thought patriotism was quite a healthy thing yeah and I kind of can can see that um I don't know how I got talking about this. Do you think that? Do you think that as you get older, you feel the responsibility to help shape the culture through your music? Yeah, I, st- I don't feel like obliged to, or like resp- I don't feel like responsibility, but I do. I do want to feel like a part of the place I'm in. Yeah. Um, and I want to express what it means to be who I am where I am yeah because like who you are and is what people want people want a slice a slice of you when they listen to the music they want they don't want you know listen to me they don't want something from somewhere else they want they want to hear what's it like what's it like to live where you live and be where you're from and and be who you are yeah they want you know they want to it's easier to empathize and connect to a songwriter that I don't want to use the word authentic because it's a word that's just been just butchered. Butchered, I think. I guess it's a, it's the difference between someone writing from their heart and someone writing out of their head and just their intellect and just making music for just to fit a genre to sell mon- sell records and make so, money. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. I think Northern Irish people and people in Ireland spend so much time indoors because of the weather, and I think mm. part of the beauty of that is that we have great writers, yeah, and we have great musicians because everyone's inside because people are inside. It's raining <laughs> because a lot of the ta- a lot of the time, and it, it forces us to meet all, almost yeah work on our crafts and perfect our crafts because we can't drink all day, you know. Yeah, well, <laughs> <laughs> most of the day, some of the, some of the day. But I think I think that, that that's a thing, you know. I think mm. that learning to be inside is and be happy and, and you know use that time is yeah is pre- is precious and it it definitely is one of our one of our strengths. Mm-hmm. So do you think that you because you 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 write folk music and you sort of lean towards a lot of Irish traditional? Did you find that? A process of of kind of of getting into that, or were you always surrounded with traditional music? No, I wasn't actually really surrounded by Irish traditional music. Um, I think growing up where I did, sort of around Cumbern, um, 
was a big prod. Like it just never was. It never was played in the pubs or anything. Because yeah. by that stage, Irish traditional music, traditional traditional music. Sorry. Um. What or fiddly day as they call it, as the frauds call it, was had been politicized, you know, from the troubles and yeah. being turned into this music for them, not us thing, which is a shame because it wasn't. It was never like that before. It was. It was. It was a music for everyone. It wasn't. It wasn't on those based on yeah, those lines. Yeah. It was nationalist. It wasn't, yeah, it wasn't politicized. It wasn't politicized. Yeah. So, and then after the troubles, it was, and so a large. You know, half the people of Northern Ireland. Growing up, we're sort of robbed of that heritage yeah, because of the so. troubles, and that's that was a real shame, I think. So when I went to uni in university in Belfast, like it was the first time I was in a class where there was more Catholics than Protestants. Well, like the school I went to, I think there was like maybe one or two Catholics in our year, which is crazy to think about. Isn't that just? Yeah. Isn't that ridiculous? I mean, segregated. Education is just yeah. it's ridiculous. So, yeah, I'd never met anyone who listened to that music or yeah. whatever. So when I went to university, everyone was not only listened to it, but played it at a high level because we've been <laughs> playing it since we were like five years old. Was it like coming home? No, it was like going. It was like it was like realizing that I was the weirdo, <laughs> you know, and that this is normal. Of course, yeah. And like, and, and they were like talking about the fla and all that and mm-hmm. talking about all these all this music that I'd never listened to. And then, so when I was getting into it, I was coming at it like it was a new, fresh thing for me, all this yeah. music. like For them, it was just like, Bleh. I play it like really well, but I don't like it. You know what I mean? <laughs> I don't even enjoy it anymore. They're just like, it's just in their blood, but it's like, it's like, it's like... It's an excuse to get together. Yeah, exactly, and have fun. And maybe get a check, maybe get a paycheck. Yeah, it's, yeah, and it's like, you know, they'd all play, you know, a million reels and jigs and and folk songs and have this wealth of cultural blah 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 and, and but they would just be so blasé about it because it was just they grew up with it that it did, didn't it wasn't like a big deal to them mm-hmm. but to me i was like i'm so impressed by this so i just started absorbing it and consuming it like ravenously throughout my 20s just feeling like i needed to catch up i still haven't and i probably never will but because it is, there is a difference when you learn something from a young age. Absolutely. Um, Do you think it's enriched your life? For sure, yeah. I mean, yeah. Folk music yeah. really had a renaissance, didn't it? In yeah. Two early two well two thousand and ten. Yeah, and then it kind of it kind of it was just the word got folk just got tarnished a bit. Over yeah, year, overused and spent and, and yeah, and then I mean, what. What is folk music? Folk music is just for me. What folk music really is 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 what I do. I run a night in the American bar, mm-hmm. and you go down and you play it an old tune that you like, and you share that song, and then maybe the next week they'll play it because they heard it. So you're passing oh, a song yeah. on. Yeah, that's folk music. That's it doesn't have to be in a particular style or sound. It's when you take an old song and you share it with someone. You breathe then, life into and it, you, and you do your thing. And then you give it to someone 
by year, and then maybe they take it up and start and playing it. And that's the that's the oral tradition, isn't it? Really? Yeah. Where, like, where things were never written down, mm-hmm. when, whatever, and even the law in Ireland was carried by the by the musicians by, and, right? the, yeah, yeah, and yeah. the poets. They carried it. We don't know the law in this. I'll oh, get your man down. <laughs> it might take him an hour to get to the right verse, but, <laughs> but I mean, I'm I'm fascinated with Irish culture and mm. the bards and and bards, yeah. and all that stuff and and their role in society was so much greater. So, they're so oh. were held as such like the most important of figures course, of course in in the in society yeah. apparently the story goes that Columba came back to Ireland to defend the League of Poets to a king who had outlawed them right <laughs> that's, how, that's how that's how important it was the League of Poets Columba came back from Iona yeah. to Ireland to defend the League of Poets to a king that had outlawed some you know outlawed creativity because someone wrote a bad song about him and told the truth <laughs> that's it that's but that's the role that's, that's the role of the artist isn't it you know what's that equivalent of today that's like oh man I know Trump invading Ireland <laughs> <laughs> who, to... do not speak his name his name shall not be spoken <laughs> he whose name shall not be spoken Joshua Remember you get you have to say his name and it takes his ways as power. That's what they always say. Voldemort and then people were like, Don't say his name but by saying his name Well this is how I interpreted it. I I can I by can say that you normalise them and you like when you say the shall be not name. It takes a part of it. it. Takes a part of it if you just say I think I've watched Harry different I've watched all the Harry Potters over Christmas in various <laughs> right. stages because it's yeah. been on constantly. Well, yeah, it's always on on yeah, one yeah. channel, you know. <laughs> but uh I only watched I only seen the last one couple like a few months ago um we just watched them in the house i'd never seen them they're pretty good <laughs> they are pretty good i mean like what do you call your man daniel daniel uh daniel o'donnell daniel daniel o'donnell he was rubbish the <laughs> <laughs> daniel radcliffe yeah oh, he's oh, i can't look at him <laughs> he just he annoys me so Does much he? yeah he was good in uh Sorry, this conversation is just talking about TV What's that now. Noise? I, think, church bell. I think so. It was church bell, yeah. Wonder what frequency it's at. That's <laughs> <laughs> very important. You should know this. But your studio, your studio should, is right yeah, underneath that, that church bell. That's right. It's probably gone off a few times while I've been recording. I'm not. It's probably realized. it's probably been in it. Tell yeah. us, tell us about the new album. So yeah, I recorded it here, um, in my little space in the Vault Artist Studios, which is based in East Belfast, Troy Asperger and I. Um, on Tower Street, just opposite Freedom Corner. I don't know if you saw it over there. Yeah, I'm all about freedom. Yeah, all about freedom. And yeah, so I've been working on it for a couple of years, actually. Well, I've been working on this album for a year. Do you work on it when you're on the road or do you just kind of come home and work on it? We just bits and pieces, you know, if there's anything. If I've got free time, we do a lot of waiting around for things. Um, when you're on the road, so you do get time to sit and have a wee muck around on the guitar and whatever. But um, do you mix on the road? No, I wouldn't bother that with that. Um, but yeah, so I started writing an album, which was like a concept album. Um, when I was living in Ross Trevor, which is down, down south down. Um, and. Emily was working for a weaving company there and we were living in a cottage out in the sticks and the area was really inspiring. A lot of really interesting things happened mm-hmm. there. Um, and 
found out by a guy called Patrick Murphy, who was a giant. Right. And he was believed to be the tallest man in the world at the time of his death. Um, in eighteen sixty two, I think it was. Good to hear that. Yeah, a lot of cool stuff happening. Eighteen sixty two. Good wine, that. Good, good wine. wine. Good year. But he his grave's in Ross Trevor's. Okay. You can go and see his grave. Uh-huh. Uh I was reading about him and it was he had seemed to have an interesting life and you know, toured with a circus around Europe and stuff wow. and um it was this lad from Ross Trevor, yeah. you know, he was just yeah. really tall. So I was like, I wonder I started writing a concept on the around him. I write him, yeah. And it started becoming about the time period between eighteen sixty two leading up to World War One and then all these to start writing about all these different characters, some fictional, some not, and weaving them together. And I got really obsessive and I wrote <laughs> this whole album and, and then at the end I was like, This is rubbish <laughs> I spent a year of my life working on this thing. And so, is that is that the kind of thing where you you rework the songs then or do you just start again? I just start again. No. It's just I just bend it. That's terrible. Um, oh come on, you can't bend it. There's definitely there's definitely fruit in there somewhere. There, no, it's not. It's not terrible. It's just not what I wanted it to be, and it's not what I wanted my second record. In another to be, world, so. that album, that record exists in a parallel universe, yeah. and it boosted your career. And you were on Jules oh. Holland on New Year's <laughs> Eve, two thousand twenty-four. Oh dear, I say that. No, so that, I, so that was kind of the album before the album. Yeah. So then, and I'm going. I think the other half. It's been like now. But yeah, my like a concept EP would be I think would be a nice thing to do. Um, so this album then. So this you album. Got a name for it yet? Yeah, I think it's gonna be called Into the Depths of Hell. Boom. Yeah, it's pretty goth, right? Yeah. <laughs> um, and there's a, there's a line, in one of the songs, basically there's there's a song on the album called Under the Concrete, and it's. Basically, when I was a kid, I wanted to run away from home. I think I was very. I think this is when I was like four, four or something really young. I got shit. Really got real. Yeah, at four, at four for some reason, <laughs> I wanted to get out of one out of the house, and I my, I wanted to jump out my window. I was on the ground floor, mm-hmm. and my sister said to me that if I jump out that window, I will go through the concrete and straight into hell for being <laughs> such a bad boy oh my gosh I'm four years old that's horrible I know I know it's so really intense just... right and um, but like that's but that's, she's probably heard that in she, church in church yeah of course we've and, all like, been you're absorbing we've all, all this been like traumatized we, by it, church it man like, don't worry it, it really it really you just like when you're a kid yeah. and you hear you're going to go to hell for like being bad mm. you're just like that's going that you Believe that with, as much as you believe in Santa. Yeah, I mean, I, I believed that until I was in my late thirties, which was which is now. But that's terrifying. I, I, how could you walk around, actually considering burning in pain for an eternity? How would you get? How would you? How could you live with that? You can't live with that. People, people can't live with that. You drive you mad. People, yeah, it would just drive you mad. It would drive you mad. I, I've been guilty of believing stuff like that. Unless you, unless it's a. I think there's a like, unless it's in a metaphorical way, like if you live a bad life and you die, you're gonna re and you you're gonna start that life over again, and if you've lived as a bad person, mm-hmm. then you're not bad people aren't happy people. Of course they're not. I'm working on this song at the minute, 
and it's called Kingdoms mm-hmm. and the line it plays off when Jesus says the kingdom of heaven is within you so the first line of the song is the kingdom of hell is within you oh yeah yeah so it's cool. it's people it's someone that lives in, in that mm. you know lives in that state I like that you can write that down <laughs> <laughs> you can't it's on the podcast oh, Copy, copyright Andrew Farmer kingdom, um, kingdom of hell is within you I'll sing it for nice. you I'll sing it for nice. you sometime um but yeah, that's that's pretty intense. Anyway, back to your story. So you so you so you didn't jump out the window. I didn't jump out the window, but that imagery always stuck with me, like just forever. So the the song is sort of about that, and it's sort of about the way you view the world from your eyes at that age. And that's intense. We tell yeah we tell kids things in Sunday school that they wouldn't be allowed to watch in the cinema until they're <laughs> yeah. sixteen. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, and that's horrible. Yeah, because you, your imagination that that age is 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 the most powerful thing. Mm. I think the Protestant Church doesn't know how to read literature. Yeah, I think that's that was. I think when I first when I discovered that that lit- literature is metaphorical, mm-hmm. blew my blew my world apart. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Because it doesn't. Yeah, you read you read quite a bit, don't you? You read a bit of. I know you like a wee bit of James Joyce and. I like I like a bit of everything, but yeah, I've been reading reading more like, um, actually, it's to be fair. In the last year, I can't even think of all I've read. I've only read maybe a handful of things. Miles um, wrote his album kind of around Thomas Hardy novels. Really? Yeah. Oh, cool. That was a really cool concept. That, like, like all based around just all based out of, out of different the different Hardy novels, yeah. and, and I'd never heard of Hardy. Mm-hmm. And since since I spoke with him, I've read about or or audiobooked about ten of his books, and really cool. really enjoy, really enjoyed it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That's cool. The war in the classes. Mm-hmm. Really interesting. I love that old language and all those mm. old jobs and things people used to do and make an eel and yeah, you know. Yeah, I've been taking a little bit of inspiration from writers like Brian and Olin. Do you know yeah, him? Yeah, fan of Brian. Um. Like the third policeman in Paramouth and uh-huh. been reading a bit of his stuff. Um, and then, yeah, it's really, really, really funny and really dark and sort of surreal. And I really like that. So there's a bit, there's a, there's a few lyrics and a few things that definitely inspired by the way he writes mm. in, in the album. Um, Are you dancing in this album? Am I dancing? Yeah. You write, you write a lot about dancing. Oh, yeah, I do. Someone said to me, I write so much about dancing, dreaming. Um, what's the other thing? you got a few birds in there. It's got to be a few birds. I'm sure there'll be dancing. I, I write about blood a lot. Yeah. I wonder why. I think I just like the word blood. Yeah. It sounds, it's a really satisfying word to say. <laughs> blood. Like, I, don't, I think it might be my favourite word, the way I just plops out of your mouth like, like blood like a bit like of blood, blood. like what you, blood what do you call those words uh, <laughs> what are they called um, on, on onomatopoeia onomatopoeia yeah yeah, yeah. <clears throat> a big splatter of blood <laughs> yeah um, oh that's good yeah do you write with pen and paper or are you kind of do you kind of have a, a never ending word file on, on your word document I do mainly write with on uh, a laptop yeah or a computer because i can type faster than i can write 
Yeah. So I can get the words out faster than mm-hmm. with a pen. I t- a pen I find really frustrating because I've already thought of the next line before I've even half finished <laughs> writing the set- another one. Could you write? A, would you write a song in one sitting? Uh, sometimes, but not normally. Normally, yeah. it'd be a few sittings, and um, interestingly, I've sometimes not not often, but I write a song by just. This is which is really common actually. I write a song by just singing nonsense first, yeah, yeah, I think and then letting those shape yeah. into words. But I've taken that to its extremes for a new song, and then left it, and then let, kind of and kind of some of the words aren't even words; mm-hmm. they're just like made sounds, up sounds. sounds. Yeah, I like. But that. sometimes you have the sound before you have the word. Yeah, that's what I mean. But like normally, I wouldn't do right like that. Normally, I would write. Like just thinking about, I'd have an idea what I want yeah. to write about, and then I would write like almost like a poem and think about how it fits together, and and then make, and then kind of fit the music around it. I use rhyme zone a lot. Rhyme zone's quite good, rhyme yeah. Zone, if just... I'm really stuck, I'm like, I'm like yeah. this bit needs to this. I need a rhyme yeah. with orange. Yeah. <laughs> good luck. <laughs> I need a blamange. <laughs> But it's funny how you can you can you can you can rhyme a ge with a le at times. You can kind of word the word a little different to kind of make it yeah make it work. Was it Nick Cave that said he was a poet? He wasn't a songwriter, but he wasn't going to make any money on making poet doing poetry. So right, kind of had to become had to become had to be yeah become a songwriter. I oh I don't I think. Poetry's amazing and just like its own thing. People yeah. would say to me, Oh, your words are so po- you like a poet and I'm like, No, like I find it so hard to write poetry that like stands on its own two feet without a melody and, and all the rest of it. When I read my lyrics without the music, I'm like, <laughs> God, I hope no one yeah, it ever releases yeah. this as like a book of poetry when I'm dead mm. because it's horrible to read. I think I learned the term a while back to write verse with someone who writes verse right okay yeah which kind of incorporates all of them yeah you know, yeah yeah. You know, I think I like I, that I yeah I like that verse. idea what do you do I, can't, I write verse <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> it's not gonna it's not gonna help you you know if you're if you get a flat tire <laughs> but nonetheless I write verse <laughs> what do you do you write verse uh, yeah what advice would you give to the rest of us mere mortals who are writing songs or starting to write songs uh-huh. or starting to play and make music Josh I would say if you're starting to play I would say just make sure that wherever you spend most of your procrastination time that you can reach an instrument <laughs> or like yeah I would say that just kind of have one handy or that's the main thing for practicing or learning or anything like where I sit spent sit mostly in my house I have an armchair and I, I'll always have at least two instruments at arm's reach <laughs> and it's like and most most of the music I write on if it's guitar um, or banjo or whatever it is would be when waiting for stuff to load when things are buffering yeah 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 or when the kettle's boiling yeah or when I'm just like daydreaming and, and just pick up the guitar because it's sitting there and I may as well if you haven't got a guitar or a 
keyboard or something with handy. Yeah. You're not gonna you're not gonna write anything, you're not, not gonna, gonna do anything. anything. So that's that would be my top tip. Cool. Josh's hot top tip. <laughs> Working on hills within you. I can't cycle like.